All right. Welcome to It's All Relatives Read Aloud Book Club. I'm Laura Matthews with Carol Matthews Nicoli, her daughter. <laughs> her daughter, two generations discussing a book we both love about yet another generation in the 1950s. The book is Double Date by Rosamond Dujardin, and we're about to start Chapter 8 A Sort of Friendship. Dun dun dun. Okay. Later that day, telling Pam all about it, Penny admitted, I never felt so low and guilty over anything in my whole life. And if it hadn't been for Mike, stepping in at the crucial moment, we'd have been caught. Not that I'd care much the way I feel. There now, Pam soothed. Take it easy. I'm sorry I got you into such a... There now, Pam soothed. Take it easy. I'm sorry I got you onto such thin ice. But I forgot all about the darned assignment. At Penny's accusing look, she added, I guess it was wrong to ask you to take the test for me. But gee, Pen, I was scared I'd flunk. Can't we just forget the whole thing now? Maybe you can, Penny said unhappily. The twins were out in the big side yard of Howard House in jeans and flannel shirts, raking up the leaves that lay all about in brown and gold profusion. Penny mm -hmm. rather liked the job, but Pam kept looking up hopefully in case some boy she knew might be passing by, one to whom she could delegate her share of it. <laughs> She's such a riot. Loading leaves onto the little metal cart in which she would wheel them out to the rubbish burner for disposal, Penny said grimly, there's one point I want to make absolutely clear. I will never do a thing like that again. Never, as long as I live. I won't ask you to, Pam promised. Then a demon of mischief danced in her eyes, she added. But I hope you got me a good grade. <laughs> Penny glared at her over an armful of leaves. Better than you deserve. And you better get that pass to assignment in tomorrow, as I promised. Don't worry about a thing, Pam said. I can take care of routine matters like past due assignments. So Mike told me. Penny's tone was dry. Oh, he did, did he? Pam stopped raking and her gray eyes narrowed just a little. Any other gems of inside information Mr. Mike Bradley had to pass on to you about me? Well, he did say, Penny couldn't help telling her, that he thought I ought to be immune to letting you talk me into things after all the years I've been exposed to you. What a charming thought, Pam drawled. Makes me sound like measles or something. It didn't the way Mike said it, Penny had to admit. How did he say it, Pam pressed? How did he say it, Pam pressed? As if he's had some trouble resisting you himself. Well, good, Pam nodded a little, a trifle smugly, leaning on her rake. I'll wear him down all right. It's just a matter of time. Penny didn't like the little confident smile that played around Pam's mouth as she said that. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> During the weeks that followed, Pam worked on Mike harder than ever. She didn't concentrate on him exclusively. That wasn't Pam's way. She liked a lot of attention from a lot of boys. And she had no trouble getting it. Randy Kirkpatrick, quietly attractive and with an apparently unlimited amount of spending money, took her out most often. But big, amiably blustering Spark of Matthews was with her whenever he could manage it, despite the fact that his, that his being the mainstay of the football team made the feminine competition for his favor keen indeed. And Mike, too, although at first he made some effort to hold out against her charms, soon slipped as completely under Pam's spell as the others. 
Petty guessed that even a degree of resistance to Pam's wiles was just too much to expect of any male. But Mike was the only one whose bedazzlement she found hard to take. If Mike could just have held out, Pam would have been so welcome to the rest of her admirers. Penny wouldn't have minded at all. Not that she let Pam know of her secret disappointment. Or Mike. Pride helped keep her... Oops. Pride helped her keep her own deep liking for him a secret from Pam, close as they were. It wasn't easy, but Penny managed. Maybe, she told herself, it was a part of growing up to be able to keep things shut up inside you. Ooh. Yeah. Sometimes she wondered whether Mother and Grant didn't suspect how she felt about Mike, but if they did, they said nothing. Mike and Spark and Randy came often to the Howards. Sometimes, if two of them turned up at once, Pam would suggest that Penny come out with them for a soda or a hamburger or whatever casual entertainment was afoot. And sometimes Penny went and sometimes she didn't. She couldn't see that her presence mattered much one way or the other. She didn't care really so far as Spike. She didn't care really so far as Spark and Randy were concerned. They were pleasant enough company, but they meant little to her personally. Personally? Good Lord. They were pleasant enough company, but they meant little to her personally. With Mike, it was different. With Mike, it hurt to realize herself a fifth wheel. But gradually, there came about a subtle shift in Mike's attitude toward Penny. She became an individual to him, not just Pam's sister. Their work on the school paper threw them together to a considerable extent, and in circumstances quite apart from Pam's sphere of activity. Without Pam around to constantly overshadow her, Mike seemed to realize that Penny was a person too. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my God. The fact that she proved to have a definite knack for reporting was another motivating factor in their changed relationship. Penny became for Mike in his capacitor as editor, a sort of ever dependable girl Friday. They worked together well as a team and Mike delegated to her all sorts of small necessary jobs that were yet not sufficiently important to engage the time and attention of his assistant editor, owlishly solemn, caustic tongued Bob Purcell. Oh my gosh. I know. Wow, what a mouthful. I know. <laughs> owlishly solemn, caustic tongued Bob Purcell. Penny didn't mind. Quite the contrary. Almost before either of them realized it, Penny and Mike had become friends in a casual sort of way. Being friends with Mike was quite the most wonderful thing that had ever happened to Penny. Impersonal as their contacts were, she was grateful for Mike's liking. Never never before had she felt so at ease with a boy, so untroubled by self-consciousness. She could talk with Mike, seriously or lightly, without getting all stuttery and embarrassed. Even the knowledge that Mike was aware of the most shameful act of her life no longer troubled Penny quite so deeply. That day she had substituted for Pam at the trig test, still made a dark blot in Penny's mind. There had been times during the intervening weeks when she had felt almost unbearably driven to confess the whole shoddy business to mother or Graham. Only the knowledge that by doing so, she would get Pam into trouble too deterred her. And Mike seemed to have forgotten all about it, just as he had advised her to do. Penny supposed that was best. She was grateful for the change in her relationship with Mike and determined to do everything she could to keep things on this new and infinitely more satisfactory basis. As for Mike, he treated her as he might have treated another boy or a sister, perhaps. He bossed her around. He kidded her. He called her a dope for letting Pam impose on her. And in an occasional brooding mood, 
he tried to worm out of her how he really stood with Pam. Of course, Penny didn't feel in the least like a sister toward Mike. <laughs> but that was her own affair. Friendship was better than nothing. So she kidded him back, thankful not to be ignored. And even the hurt of listening to Mike rave about Pam's charms was a small price to pay for the privilege of having him confide in her. Aww. I know. It was a shame, really, that Mike had fallen so hard for Pam. Thus, Penny reflected one November day as she sat in the cluttered little alcove off the journalism room, which constituted the office of the Glen Crier. Penny was ostensibly writing up some notes on yesterday's Why Teens meeting. But Mike was banging out an editorial on the typewriter just opposite her, so it was hard to keep her mind entirely on her work. Pam, Penny knew, was by no means sure she preferred Mike's company to that of Randy or Spark or the rest of the boys she dated. It had been different at first when Mike had seemed a shade standoffish and hard to get. Then Pam had really worked on him. Penny could have told Mike, only of course she wouldn't, that it was always that way with Pam. She'd try as hard as anything to get a boy under her spell, then simply add him to her collection. Or she might decide she didn't want him after all. Is that what you're hoping will happen in Mike's case? Penny asked herself sternly. Do you imagine then you'll catch him on the rebound just because you're friends after a fashion? She felt hot color creep across her face at the thought and bent her head determinedly to the job at hand, even if it was pretty much of a routine one. There now, Mike said, easing his paper out of the typewriter. This takes care of next week, but good ideas for editorials are sure hard to come by. You don't happen to have any, do you? Penny glanced up at him thoughtfully. I do have one you might be able to use later on. How much later? Well, it's about prom. Prom stuff for spring, Mike said, but tell me. Some of the girls were griping about this at lunch. You know, Mike, it's really not very fair the way it is with the prom, Penny said earnestly. All the senior girls work on it like crazy, serve on committees and everything like that. Then it develops that a lot of them don't get to go to it. And you know why? Because they don't get invited, Mike suggested. But they're free to invite dates of their own, you know. Yes, but who can they ask, Penny demanded. You know perfectly well lots of the senior men go and invite junior and soft girls. But if the senior girls ask younger fellows, they'd be accused of cradle snatching and kidded to death. Yeah, Mike admitted. I suppose they would. Besides, Penny pointed out, prom tickets aren't cheap. You kind of hesitate to ask a man to assume a lot of expenses for a date when you ask him to take you. (laughs) And if the girls pays, the boy feels silly. It's murder. I'm just really noticing the use of the word men and boys and like how they're doing that. Yep. Anyway, they're men when they're in charge. But if the girl pays, the boy feels silly. Yep. Mike scratched his head consideringly, his blue eyes thoughtful. Yeah, I see your point. We might do a piece about that closer to prom time. Not that it'll probably do any good. Speaking of dances, he said then, and Penny's heart skipped a beat. Tell me something. Is Pam already dated for the sweater hop? Penny's heart resumed its normal pace. She looked down at the tips of her loafers, just in case that flash of bright, crazy hope might have left some reflection in her eyes for Mike to see. Why, yes, she is. She's going with Spark. I just wanted to be sure, Mike nodded a trifle grimly. I'll stay home and save my money. <laughs> Penny's eyes lifted to his face. The sweater hop's not very expensive, is it? Informal, no corsage, just held in the gym. Any date with your sister, Mike informed her, is likely to run into money. Of which, if you'll pardon a sordid mercenary note, I have very little at the moment. Not that I'm complaining, he hastened to add. 
about your twin being an, ex an expensive woman that is. She's worth it, believe me. Penny frowned slightly, the familiar instinct to rush to Penny's defense rising within her. You make her sound not very nice, she accused. <laughs> Simmer down now, Mike chuckled dryly. I didn't mean to razz Pam. Any woman's expensive to date very often. A movie here, hamburgers and sodas there. It all counts up. And my allowance is strictly from hunger. I'm looking around for an after-school job, but so far I haven't found one. But could you handle a job along with all your schoolwork and being editor of the crier and all? Penny asked. I'll be a busy little bee, Mike grinned, but think of all the lovely green stuff I'll have to squander. Bob Purcell came in then, said hi casually to Penny and dropped a sheaf of scrawled pages on Mike's desk. There you are, slave driver. <laughs> Jesus. Once we get this stuff whipped into shape. As soon as she had finished writing oh, up her club no. notes. I know. Oh, no. As soon as she had finished writing up her club notes, Penny eased out the door with a murmured bye now. Neither Mike nor Bob seemed to notice, so intent were they on their work. Penny stopped her to lock her to get her coat and a couple of books. There were a few students still in the halls, but Penny didn't see anyone she knew well, anyone who might be walking home her way. She hadn't planned to meet Pam. She hadn't planned to meet Pam. Pam was a cheerleader now, busy this afternoon with a pep club meeting. Walking along through the crisp fall sunshine, Penny felt a slight edge to the wind that whipped her hair backward from her face. Before long, it would be winter, she thought. But Penny liked winter. The snow would be beautiful, out here away from the city's grime. Penny could see the white, unbroken expanses quite clearly in her mind. And there would be skating on the frozen lake back of the high school and sleigh ride parties. Penny had never gone on a sleigh ride in her life. And her skating had been done on a city rink with tall buildings in the background. Oh, she was glad they'd moved to Glenhurst. She liked everything about it so much better than the city. The friendliness of neighbors, the more casual way of living, the opportunity that had been afforded her to see more of Mother and to get closer to her. She and Mother had had several good talks since that day when Mother had urged her to go to Headlines Club without Pam, if Pam didn't care to go. And because of these talks, Penny felt she had come to see her problem a little more clearly and to make a beginning towards solving it. Her job on the crier was a step in the right direction, a big step. Pam thought she was silly to waste so much time on it. Pam didn't hesitate to tell her so. But Penny didn't consider it a waste. She enjoyed the work, and through it, a whole new circle of friends had been opened up to her. Besides Mike, there were lots of other people she liked on the crier staff. People she enjoyed being with, people who accepted her as an individual, not just a sort of shadowy echo of Pam's more vivacious personality. To them, Penny reflected as she walked along, I'm me, I'm an individual. I don't have to be forever trying to measure up to Pam. To Maggie and Bob and the others, it doesn't matter that Pam has more dates than I. They accept me, they accept me at face value. They seem to like me for myself. If I'd gone on trying to copy Pam, trailing after her into pep club just because that's what she wanted to do, maybe I'd have got better acquainted with Lori and Susan and the rest of the glamour crowd but I'd have been just Pam's droopy twin to them. And Mike and I would never have been friends as we are. Penny's thought broke at the prickling realization that they weren't good enough friends that it would occur to Mike to ask her to the sweater hop since Pam was going with somebody else. Even so, Pam assured herself staunchly, being myself is better. 
Nothing was going to shake her hard-won certainty of that. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yay. Yay. So next episode will be our discussion of chapter eight, and then it'll be chapter nine, almost a date. <laughs>